This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Good morning. This is Talking Devils, the leading independent <coughs> Manchester United podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Barton, joined as always by Manchester United legend Paul Parker to talk over, um, well, it's... Not something that I often say this season, a, a difficult week at United. Um, how are you doing, Paul? You all right? Yeah, I'm fine, thank you, Wayne. Fine. Yeah. Cheers. Um, if you're watching live on YouTube or Facebook, feel free to get your questions, comment in. If you're watching on replay, say hello. Feel free to comment. We do reply to um, the comments and conversations that we get. If you're listening back on the audio podcast please be sure to like and subscribe on the platform you're listening on and leave a review as well uh ben really the comment says good morning good morning ben hope you're well um yeah uh, a tough one to sort of talk about today i guess briefly briefly cover crystal palace you were there um it seemed like united were going to win that game on autopilot for maybe an hour i didn't think they were particularly impressive um, and then you get to sort of 10 minutes from the end. It's like the old world's caved in. Casemiro gets the booking, so you know he's going to miss Arsenal. The head's going the last minute. Um, a couple of dodgy refereeing decisions, which you, you kind of thought that if there was going to be 50-50s, then United weren't going to get the rub of the green after what happened in the derby. And the, the rub of the green, I'm saying the McTominay, 50-50. Um, and then the Luke Shaw foul at the end, which looked a little bit generous. that went for Palace, and you can't. First of all, you can't take away that Palace deserved a point. Second of all, um, you've got to praise the free kicks. It was magnificent. And third of all, lucky it was a point because Wan-Bissaka came with a Paul Parker-esque tackle in the last minute to deny Zaha. Even you would have been impressed with that one. Um, I, would have been impressive. I would have been impressed if I had the telescopic legs. <laughs> well, yeah, there was that. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, but it was probably, you know... That was one of the rare, uh, rare bright spots for, for United, uh, Wan-Bissaka's performance over the last few games. Um, anyway, what, what did you make of how United were at Palace? Um, I was expecting more, to be honest, but given how they'd been recently and um, the game after the Derby game, I think it was one which it definitely wasn't needed, that game. As much as they're there sometimes and you get you have a great performance and a great win and you can't wait for the next game, I just felt that it was it it you know, this isn't after the horses bolted. It was just I said at the time they didn't need this game. They just needed to then concentrate and go into the next game. And that wasn't about worried about the players being fatigued or anything. It was just the fact just to let that to let that performance sink in. And then yeah. get yourself prepared again for the same again, but away from home. And they never got that. But they got a chance to go and play at Sellers Park, a place where there's always a big buzz about it. Palace were having a bad time. They needed the game, I think, really. They, yeah. I'm sure Patrick Biel couldn't wait for that game, knowing that he didn't have to worry about motivating his players because the full house, the atmosphere was going to do a lot of the work for him. But both teams didn't really perform to it, to be honest. It was quite a drab game between the two sides. They're normally a lot better than that at Sellers Park. And United were always the better team, 
always just that little bit. But I felt the second come out the second half one nil up, and I thought it was just right to get the game closed off, manage the game out, and then take off Casemiro. So and the game was flat. Perfect for United, not good if you were a Palace fan. And then when I saw the substitutions, I saw McTominay and Granacho, and I thought to myself, perfect, he's going to take off Casemiro, even though I was a little bit sceptical about Scott McTominay being there, worried about anything, you know, too impetuous with his tackles, silly fouls, he might do that. But I thought, OK, this makes sense. It doesn't happen, he doesn't take him off. I'll turn around and, I'll turn around and said on the radio, I said, I said, that's a big, big problem now. I said, there's the opportunity to go and do it. My commentator said, it's only 1-0, Paul. I said, but 1-0 and they, and Palace don't are no threat at all. The two centre-forwards, two big centre-forwards, Edouard and uh, Mateta, they're not a threat. There's nothing there. You worry about Zaha and Elise. I said, they're going to regret doing that. And he said, well, I, and he, he disagreed with me in certain ways. He said he could understand why he was doing what he's doing, um, Ten Hag. And the moment he made those substitutions, because he took off big um big Veghas um, as well, who to be fair wasn't doing a lot with the ball. It was his first game. It, it was it wasn't it wasn't really work hadn't worked. But what it did give it, he was causing a problem to the two centre halves because they was worried about his stature. And the moment he come off, they stepped on the centre halves at Crystal Palace. Stepped forward. It pushed. Palace further forward, Schluck was playing, he drove them forward with and without the ball, and it gave them a little bit more appetite, something to chew on, and the game changed a little bit then. And then Casemiro, who's playing this game like Captain Scarlet, Captain Scarlet, he's indestructible, everything's going well for him, and it happens to everybody, things are right, you suddenly feel, I can't make a mistake here. He tries to cover up for another Fernandez silly flick trick, mm. Gives a terrible foul away. I mean, I, only, I mean, it was a foul, but I didn't realise how bad the foul was that he gave away. I just, I just saw him going down. I see the player Zaha fall over. I thought, oh no! If Varane said something, could Varane shout it to him? He's my man. Stay away. I don't know, but he's gone in for something, believing he was going to win it, as the way his games have been of late. And bang, he's gone. Somebody that important. Now, <clears throat> for people, it wasn't so much about him not playing yesterday. Yes, it was about Casemiro not being there. And you could see that they missed him, especially in that the way United kicked off yesterday was terrible. It was absolutely embarrassing the way they kicked off. And that set the tone for Arsenal to have a corner in the first 50 seconds. Terrible, terrible way from home, away from home to how they kicked off. If Cas- When Casemiro plays, he goes in areas where many players don't want to go and accept the ball. And they didn't have that. So when they, they weren't playing out, they were playing out very slowly back to how it was before. No one with any presence of mind to go and try and get it. And they, they haven't got, they needed him in there to interact with Ericsson and Fernandes. So, so just in, just on that point, he, he made it, he was really seriously missed to that. But what it does as well, it was like, when you look about United back in the day, and you think about during those times when they were fighting to win their first title in God knows how many years, it was like Manchester United without Brian Robson. And what he does, uh, the fans the fans are low, but more <laughs> some of the players are low. So many players, I think, would have gone into that game a little bit kind of flat and are not feeling as they did in previous games because he wasn't there. And that's... And that's the difference what key players make, important players make you. No different to when I was, you know, with, with Robbo playing, to maybe if Roy wasn't playing, to if Eric wasn't playing. You look around and when you've got those kind of games, those big games, you look for your big players. And when one of them's missing, it gets in people said, you don't, and whoever's coming, you don't really trust them. And that, and I felt that was a lot what happened yesterday with United, especially in that, in that first 15, 15 to 20 minutes because if Arsenal were gone two up in that first 15, 20 minutes, everyone would have gone, wow, yeah. incredible. It was incredible start to the game, but that was brought on by the way United started from the kickoff. 
going backwards, trying to play short little passes in tight areas when they hadn't even got their feet into the game. No one has set a print yet, but they just overpass, give away a sloppy corner and bang, you know, they're, they're under pressure and Arsenal just went at them and they were very, very fortunate that Arsenal never scored in that in that time. Yeah, Arsenal, I, you got to say Arsenal were very good yesterday. Um, ben says, I'm glad Ten Hag wasn't <coughs> happy with the way we played against Palace. It clearly wasn't to sit the, the plan to sit back the way that we did. Hector says, um, good morning. Arsenal would have played us off the park, Casemiro or not. 64 touches in our box, we were run ragged. I think that's um, decidedly unfair. But I, I think you can't come away from watching that without thinking Casemiro's a gigantic miss. First of all, like you said, in, in terms of morale. But second of all, um, it, it completely transforms the way that United play. If they don't have Casemiro, they don't have a midfielder's capable of keeping hold of the ball. Now, Arsenal, don't get me wrong, they played brilliantly. And it was definitely a game that they were up for. I thought Saka was sensational. Um, and there were certain players in our team that you know you would have thought would have done better, but at the same time, I still I can't get away from looking at the Casemiro miss and seeing how tangible it was on the actual pattern of the game. I mean, like you you said there, they didn't get all of it from day one, uh, from minute one, I should say. You know, you know straight away the the difference that Casemiro is making. Sort of first twenty minutes, he's getting people together. He's like you said, he's getting into the ugly areas. But also settling settling down the game plan. The game plan would be not obviously you're not going to dominate the ball, you're going to be fighting for the ball, but you'll be better on it for sure. You'll be making smarter decisions. And that's a better plan for that defense to so they're not worried about the ball coming at them all the time. Then you've got a, a sort of more consistent platform for the attackers to build upon so they don't have to be so clinical with the few chances that they're going to get because the midfield isn't good enough at holding on to the ball. But that's a historic problem with United. We know that. Casemiro, and to an extent, Ericsson. But Ericsson's like a... There's no... You're almost better off having Fred in, in the midfield rather than Ericsson because he's like... I, I don't know what purpose he was serving in there because he's not... The quality of what he can bring to the side, he's lost in the sort of partnerships with... Bruno was going to be more speculative, and McTominay, who is, if he's got an expertise in the game, it's breaking up the play and, and advancing it forward rather than actually, you know, being on the ball and, and settling it down. But this isn't necessarily to have a go at him or to criticise him. We know this about the players, so the entire game plan is different. So United aren't going to be able to play the, the way they've played in, in recent weeks because of the most. <laughs> player and you mentioned obviously the start to the game but obviously the end as well yes it's, it's pretty obvious that on the ball Casemiro's going to make smarter and well, smarter Casemiro's going to make different decisions than McTominay is going to make the decisions with the experience of closing games out um, and and not have United in the situation that they found themselves in throwing the ball away and letting them come straight back at us you have composure in the middle of the park and you look to composure in the middle of the park. Like you said, with Robson, the players look for a player like that to get them, not to get them out of trouble, but to sort of keep them calm in situations like that. And, um, yeah, I mean, you've got to give Arsenal credit as well, though. I mean, I'm not here, you know, it's not an easy thing to do, Paul, but they did play, you know, a number of very fast players. It caused United a lot of damage and because of that, you saw possibly the areas where um, United need to improve. You know, Sean had a great season, but he was terrified of Saka. He's absolutely terrified of him. I'm glad you said that. And Cartier, um you would have expected United to defend, him, uh, to defend with a little bit more composure against him. Uh, they, they seemed a little bit... Um, perhaps the fact that they, he was seen as a, something of an unknown quantity, really, when he shouldn't be, because he's, he's done a good job in the Premier League this season. It just seemed like he sprung two very good strikers, uh, good defenders by surprise. And elsewhere in the team, yes, Rashford scored a great goal. And, um, you know, obviously it was a magnificent goal. Martinez scores a good goal as well. I, I just don't know. Um, I'll come to the manner of losing in a minute, but first of all, we'll talk about Arsenal having won it, Paul. I mean, you've got to give them credit. I mean, they were obviously up for it. It meant a lot to them. And um, even though 
even though we were missing Casemiro, we took them right to the wire. That's why I think like it's a bit more. I, I know for the last thirty minutes, by the way, the, the first sixty minutes is a different kettle of fish. But the last thirty minutes, they really did have us under the cosh, and it was a matter of when they were going to score. Sometimes when we're defending like that, I, I almost wish that we'd conceded in like the sixty-first minute. Not that I ever want us to do it, but let the goal in. You can see it's coming. Let the goal in and change their game plan because they'll they'll completely have to change the way that they play. And you, well, they probably will change the way that they play. And you've got a different game plan for that last sort of twenty-five minutes to get back into the game. And that that's a bit round the house is thinking like it's a bit silly to sort of say let a goal in but I think you know where I'm coming from um, yeah let's congratulate Arsenal Paul how do you think that they did no, Arsenal Arsenal were, were good I mean the way they set themselves up I mean Arsenal of 18 months ago they wouldn't have they wouldn't have they would have folded they would have folded they yeah. definitely would have been mentally a lot mentally weaker than what they were when you look at them as individuals you look at them look at them collectively and you, you know, you look at Xhaka. Xhaka's game has changed. He's gone. He's played. He's playing. He's playing now like he plays for his national team. Where yeah. before he was a good player for his national team, a really good player. But he come to his club side, and he suddenly become this angry man, stuck in his hole and not allowed to cross the halfway line. He was just told you're a defensive player because you're big and strong. You yeah. speak to people, and and you, you suddenly find out when he was at Gladbach, he was an incredible. He, they said he was like a German version of a Brian Robson. He was box to box. He was strike scoring goals from outside the box. He was seen as like the focal point of this Gladbach team. I never knew that. I didn't, you know, you know, I don't follow don't follow football that deep from overseas. But I get I got told this by one of the main German experts. So he was excited when he first came across, and then he was disappointed when he watched him how Arsenal used him. And now he's really on high. On seeing Jack a bit years later, and he hasn't got that that same box to box, you know, attribute. But his strength is, you know, now we, that he kind of plays around that midfield, he gets on the ball, but he gets more into the box than what he did before. And he had a great opportunity. If he had that change of pace, he would have he could have scored as well. One of those um, opportunities that fell into him in the second half, I think, as well with Casemiro. Arsenal would have been slightly different in midfield if he had been playing. He, without him there, that midfield shifted on another level because he wasn't there. They took advantage of knowing that United's strength in, um, not so much a strength, but what they've gained in ball retention now from Casemiro being on that field, he was it was going to be lost. It was yeah. it wasn't it wasn't going to work out, and and that's exactly they took advantage of that because he wasn't there. When I look at it and what happens, I mean, Luke Shaw, as, as i said many times, I'm eating humble pie because everything about him's changed. I was waiting for him to collapse after a good performance and go back. He hasn't. He's kept going. He's been one of the main players for United, someone you look at, and then they've gone and put him at centre-half. His job he's done in now is mostly looked better there than what he did at left, what he has at left-back. And then when he went back to left-back, he was positive and strong there in all areas. But yesterday, I don't know, is it because he knows Saka and he's trained with him with England? But he seemed scared of him. And I was there, I was there and I was, I was, you know, doing the commentary for the game. And virtually, I had to be careful because I was becoming like a fan because I was getting a hunt with him. I wanted him to get close to him. What happened, what's happened to the Luke Choi was, you know, a few months back or a year back, because he didn't want to maybe run or didn't want to exert himself, was going in, pushing people over, maybe hitting them a little bit late. There was nothing there with that. He, all he kept doing was when Saka got on the ball, was keep going backwards. And then once he got in the box, he might as well have just thrown a towel in because he couldn't, he couldn't make a challenge. He started off so far away that if he had stepped forward, he was either going to give a penalty or he was going to get stepped. He was going to get stepped around. I mean, at one point he gets to the byline, Saka, on his right foot, his poor foot, and he puts in an unbelievable cross from inside the box. And that happened. And he beats every time he. Luke Shaw, I would say, and someone could show me it. In that second half, and the back end, back end of the first half, and the second half, he never made a tackle on Saka. 
not one tackle. Mm. Now I could see it, and I'm turn- and I'm kind of saying this has got to change. It needs Marcus Rashford, <clears throat> who's a left-sided player, to to stop the ball going to Saka's feet. And all he's got to do is virtually just the moment that ball goes out to the fullback, is to stand in the line so that the ball has to move inside to get back outside again. That would allow, the moment that ball goes inside, that will allow Luke Shaw then to get closer to Saka so they'll think twice about giving the ball. Marcus Rashford never made any effort. I watched him one time and the Japanese player gets the ball. I see Saka on the touchline, almost chalk on his boots, and he plays a straight ball down the line with Marcus Rashford three yards inside the line, plays it straight down the line, straight to Saka's feet. Luke Shaw is, has, should have been closer to him because it's on his side of the field. Luke Shaw is having a lazy one. And then by the time Luke Shaw tries to travel, Saka's on the run. He's on the run, 30, 40 yards from goal. He ends up taking Luke Shaw, backing, uh, backing off Luke Shaw, ends up in his box. And then all the, all the centre-halves are standing there and it becomes like a game of, becomes like back four players. Everyone's, everyone's on ice. Everyone's fit because they're, they're worried that when that ball goes to a player, they, they make an effort, but they don't really go with any authority because they're scared of contact. They're really scared. And I've never seen United, so many players defending in the box and you're there. And I don't know if you was it, Wayne, but I, I was there and I was like that. It was, it was, I couldn't work it out. It was all little legs and little ricochets everywhere. It was, it was terrible. It was like watching a schoolboy defending. And it's the worst defending I've seen United for a long, long time. And it starts off with a fullback who was scared to get close. He didn't want to work his feet hard enough up against, you know, a decent player. But Luke Shaw should have been better. He's England's left back. He's been England's um, best fullback for a little while. Yeah. And, he, and the one thing you should be able to do is defend. And he yeah. wasn't defending. Now, you, what you got, <laughs> what you should be up saying is that why didn't Ten Hag see that? Why didn't Marcus Rashford help Luke Shaw? Now, I would have been calling for it if I was up against anybody like that, someone like that. I would have been calling, make my job easier by delaying the pass to allow me to travel. I would have been screaming, screaming at him. Yeah. And you've got to remember, I did it with, with a, a Russian, who, sorry, a Ukrainian who become a Russian in front of me. I did it with him because he didn't like it. But I knew he could help me go in the other way because he was incredible, that side, as you know. But I virtually had to tell him where to stand. He wanted to bet. I had to tell him, just stand there, just to stop the ball getting wide easy. And, and that, was, that was one of the, that was the key area where everything started off in that second half. They knew that Luke, Shaw was, Luke was scared and he was just running backwards and he was putting all his teammates in trouble. It was, yeah. and it was, that's how, you know, that's how poor it was. On the other side, wan was a lot better defensively, a lot better. The only problem with wan is the, like the goal. He, his, his body positions, he doesn't swivel off his left foot to look over his shoulder. And that's, and that's why that goal was scored, the first goal. Because if he looks over his shoulder, he blocks in Ketia. He yeah. blocks him. And, and it's just, and he, and he did it, it happened in the second half as well, but he got the header, but he didn't know what was behind him. He gave away a corner in the first half. He didn't know where um, Martinelli was. If he'd have known where Martin, Martinelli was there, then he wouldn't have put the ball out for a corner. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a tough one. I mean, the, the thing that I would say um, when we're trying to sort of reach balance with it is... <coughs> You look at the players and you look at the defeat and you look at the level of the game it's against the Premier League leaders and everything like that and we're aspiring to challenge for the title. I still think it's too early to say that this is a kind of title contender game, by the way, but that's the situation that we want to be in, you know, like fighting for the title. And I think that what you saw with some of the players is what we kind of knew about them is that they probably won't be in a United team that challenges for the title. <laughs> And that's not necessarily a criticism because I think considering where we were thinking of those players sort of six or seven months ago that they might not even have a future at the club I think they've all done fantastically well um, 
I'll just come to some of the comments. We've got a lot of comments in. Patrick says, based on the 90 minutes, I was frustrated with the result. Just wondering if Paul feels Arsenal pen us back or if we were too passive. Um, you kind of just commented in, in that one there. Um, Hector, I think you sounded more like an Arsenal fan this morning, mate. He says, this was nowhere near two teams going, two top teams going toe to toe. United are miles off, and understandably, because Eric's been here for six months. Um, I'll come to Ben's in a moment. Um, and he says, one team played to contain, the other team played football. It wasn't even close in overall play. I, don't, I think that's wide of the mark. I, you know, I, I think United, with their midfield that they had, um, played as adventurous as they could, really. They don't have the quality to boss the, the midfield. They weren't going to be able to do that. But I thought United were ambitious to the point that maybe Rashford was told to stay out wide and just to stay on the fullback rather than do anything in, in terms of helping Shore out because, you know, that's where United were getting most joy and maybe that's what happened, you know what I mean? The, the gamble was give him the licence to not do any work, um, although we have seen that with Rashford. Um, we've seen it against City as well and thankfully it didn't cost us against City. Maybe it did cost us yesterday, um, but maybe that's part. it was part of the plan. But I certainly... This, this was one of the things I was going to come on to, actually, and I'll, I will come on to it in a minute after I've just come, after I just deal with the other comments. Uh, ben says, sorry to put the boot in on him in a way, but looking at Matomini for that third goal, it was very unimpressive. He didn't seem to have a clue what was happening. Uh, ben says about Matomini, I don't think we'll see him in the team next season. It's a big six months ahead. Yeah, yesterday was a big game for him. And, but it's, like I was saying earlier, there, there are players that we know on um who won't be in a team that or a squad that challenges for the title and that's no big criticism of them it's just the level of those players and the level of what the, the squad and club are aspiring to be um ben says when well, the weaknesses are exposed when pressure is applied we need more strength in depth i'd say we need another top level midfielder in that squad as well um, and Patrick says, ironically, I didn't feel there was a massive gulf between the two teams. It seemed more about how we manage the defensive situations and making the right decisions, i.e. stopping the ball at source. Like you said about um, um, stopping the ball getting to Saka, which is the point. That's what all the teams would have done. They would have stopped that. And maybe that's you know one of those things that Tenago will be looking at. But I, I do want to talk to you about this because obviously in, in the last year, when we've talked about United losing games, we've said, oh... This terrible, they did keep throwing the towel. Yesterday, we lost, um, deservedly so. I think Arsenal deserved the win, can't contest that. Um, but it's better to lose in the way that we did. Like, we, we didn't have our most influential player or our best player, either or interchangeable at the moment. And you know, Arsenal struggled to get over the line. They got that, they got a late winner. and. You know, I, I, I do believe that Ten Hag's got us maybe six months ahead of schedule. You know, I think we're, we look like a team with more ideas to... I'd rather see us... You know, it's difficult to lose. It's difficult to lose in the last minute. It's difficult to lose Arsenal in the last minute. But if you're not looking yesterday and, and saying, well, it's still progress from what we saw last time we played at Arsenal and we lost and we sort of capitulated, it's surely it's got to be an indication of progress, the manner in which we lost and to be disappointed in that regard. Well, it, perhaps especially because we didn't have Casemiro, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it is. There, there definitely is. A, it's, um has progressed, I should say, from what it was before. <clears throat> That's mostly why a lot of people are getting frustrated is because they've seen it. They've seen something they can actually... They've seen a little bit of the light coming through and... And that was, that was a wonder they wanted something from to kind of for everything just to fall into place and maybe come forward quicker than maybe what it should be. Even I kind of jumped on it a little bit where I'm normally I'm the one who is definitely not that way. I'm the cynical one about things. But I have I have seen that things have improved and there's, and there's definitely a belief that every game they play, they can win. And, and maybe are going to. And they have won in recent times. But if you said a year ago, going into Man City at home and going to um, going to the Emirates, you would have got. I would have been going no. Or my prediction thing, I've been going. I would have been going no, not at all. It just wasn't going to go. Crystal Palace away, even I would have been about that one, knowing how Crystal Palace 
always are when Manchester United go there and I would have been sceptical about that one, but I wasn't. So even I might have jumped the gun and maybe there's expectations have jumped forward a little bit too quick. But he's not that far away. It's, you know, we, you know, 18 months ago, and it's been mentioned about Arsenal and about the fans, but it's a fact, living in, a, living, in an area, living in an area and every Arsenal fan who are around are just, they've got smiles on their faces. They are absolutely loving it because they are where they are because they deserve to be so, to be there, sorry. But on the other side of it, 18, 14, 18 months ago, you mentioned Arteta and whew, as what football's become now, you know, there's, there's no grey area being a manager, it's black and white. That, that's it with football management now. No one. You might find the older ones, the more mature ones, have got given a little bit more clarity to everything. But the younger ones, no. He's got to go. Sack him. It's a sacking mentality now. That's how it was when I was at West Ham on Saturday. That's how everyone was talking about it. It was just whoever loses is going to get sacked. There was no great thought about it. But I look at it and have to say they are where Manchester United are where no one expected it. They expected it to be another story. Different manager, same story, same ending. I don't think it can go. It can't go that way if the club get themselves sorted out. It's got to be sorted out now. Cannot afford to lose where we are now because of the fact of what's happening upstairs. Because if this goes away now with the manager and everything, you've built something now, then it's going to be, you know, you, it'd, be, it'd be devastating. And I don't know how long a recovery could take from that, to mm. be perfectly honest, because he's, he's close and you can, you know, the margins aren't very big, but it's just that maybe two or three players can make such a difference, yeah. a real big difference in what they do to the players around it who are around as well. Just to add to them, they look at people. And I'll, I'll say it again, there was such a thing after winning the league title, then all of a sudden you're, you're on a pre-season trip to, um, to South Africa and all of a sudden Roy Keane turns up. Just after, you win it, just after you win the league and Roy Keane turns up and you think, blimey, whose place is going to take you know, you think about the midfield, you looked in there, and I think it was, we finished off with Chockey with Paul Ince. Yeah. And you think, of Chockey, the boss loves Chockey. Chockey's got to be playing, he would do. But all of a sudden, you know, Chockey knew it was going to happen, but you don't think about it. But all of a sudden, that, that big player comes in, and you and all of a sudden, as a player, you go, wow. And and that's what United needed. That's what they need at this moment in time. They've been great after what they've been through. That could have happened this month. But it definitely needs to happen in the summer. It doesn't need the waiting around. It needs to happen. It needs to start happening. Things being talked about, not so much talked about, because that's all it is now, waffle. Waffle for TV to sit and have a load of, no, have a load of nobodies talking about transfers when they haven't got a clue. Um, it's just you want action. You want people, you want guarantees. You want things, pre-agreements done of players coming. Yeah. And then that will shake up people. It'll make people think, wow, and lift them. The negative players, the ones who are, the ones who haven't really been doing it properly, haven't looked after themselves, haven't really done the work, they're the ones who are just suddenly look in the mirror and go, cool, we've copped up here. But it needs something to lift, to take it to the next level. And more importantly, I think more importantly, I think the fans, some of the, some of the fans deserve it. Yeah. yeah. The, you know, the ones who have been through thick and thin deserve it really deserve to see the club going forward again because we know we know life is a circle we definitely know football is a circle it, you know it's it's not a lifetime thing success it happens in but you can manage that you can manage that little bit when it's dropping as sir alex done during his tenure you know not allowing it to drop he suddenly built a team within the team and kept it going the moment he couldn't that's the reason why manchester united got to where they you know where where they're trying to get out of now that was yeah. taken away by the way the club structure completely changed yeah um patrick says he agrees with you completely um this is the one time where i feel united coach has to be significantly backed proactive early moves for three or four quality players in the door ready to challenge from august yeah i, I do think as well though, when we come back to that theme of like united being a bit further down the road in terms of, um, how Ten Hag's got the rebuild going, and I think a lot of it, um, 
will be seen in the next sort of five or six weeks because you're going to lose games of football. That's what happens. You win, you win some, draw some, lose some. Hopefully, not as many losses if you're United boss. And to be fair, not that way. but it's about the reaction. Then it's about what you see. And I still think, yeah, all right, we could have been more proactive yesterday. But I, I do think Casemiro was that big a miss, and in, we don't have the squad depth to say it's only going to be a marginal drop. It's going to be a significant shift in the way that we play because Casemiro makes that much of a difference to us. So if you don't have a player of that skill set then it's impossible to replicate that kind of um, a team approach. You're just not going to get the same team. But I, I still think the manner in which we lost, um, yes, all right, we could have done better that last 30 minutes, but the first hour, finding solutions, making it an entertaining game, going for it and getting um, getting in the game, taking the lead and getting an equaliser, I thought it was a massive indication of progress. Um, and hopefully now what we see is the reaction and there are, convenient bunch of fixtures to get from. Um, before before we move on to those games, I'll preview. Just, there's been a little bit of talk about transfers here, so I think it's a good one to bring up at the time. Tielemans of Leicester is going to be out of contract in the summer. Um, on a free transfer, does that move make sense? I know you've, we've talked about it before, and you've not been convinced about his ability sort of boss the United midfield, but with the likes of Casemiro and Eriksen in there, does he make does it make a smart move to go in for a player like him? Um, well, was, obviously he's running his contract down and he's, he wants to make a killing at the end of it. Um, you look at him now, he's a player who's playing with not much appetite at this moment. There was definitely something about him when he first joined, when he first joined Leicester. Um, I'm. I'm not. I'm not. When you're talking about a free, <laughs> you do. You're getting in for nothing. Great, but you pay at the other end. You do pay at the other end, so it's not that free. I'm really not sure. If you just look at it, and I'm just going, he's a free transfer. You can just go and grab him. I'm going to say yes. Is he guaranteed to be a regular? Is he guaranteed to start at this moment? I would say, would he be the one that I'd be looking at who's going to really improve that midfield? I wouldn't. I wouldn't say. Wouldn't say yes. I'm not seeing that at Leicester. I'll be, no. I'm looking at you. Watch him at Leicester, and you think to yourself, you know, he, he knows what's happening. He, no, he's he's not doing it. He's not doing enough, in my opinion, to to suggest that. And so, all well and good for someone would come and say, yeah, but he doesn't want. He's keeping. He doesn't want to get injured. He doesn't want a big injury before he leaves because he's, he's running his contract down. He's taking a gamble on what he's doing, running his contract down because he could end up having a serious injury, not getting. Not getting paid, you know, getting any money. I, I think the days of that have gone. Really, I don't think the the ramifications are as, as are as severe as they were, say, in my day and pre my day. You know, when you when you're out of contract. So, I I'm not sure about him. When you look at him, you look at a squad. Is he better? Is he better than what we've got? Some of the midfield players we've got. Oh yes, we've, without a shadow of a doubt. But I'm looking for a midfield. I would say. A midfield player is going to go straight in and move it on another level. I'm not sure about him. I'm just yeah. seeing just below me someone someone's putting down. Yes, it, yeah, you know, t- saying Hector. I should say saying it's a no-brainer. Better than Fred. Um, better than Fred and better than McTominay. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. That I'm not doubting that at all. That was e- too easy for me to say that little bit. And then he, he has me- he has mentioned about Ericsson hasn't got the legs. And you know, and you could see that a few times yesterday as well when. That little bit of change of pace, just to, he had one in the box, and you thought if he could just get a toe to it, get some a touch on it, it was going to be a it's going to be a penalty or maybe even a strike. So, I mean, you're talking about bringing someone in and bringing them for nothing, yes, but but it depends how Ten Hag, what kind of what's he's allowed to do? Can he is he allowed to go and get someone who's going, maybe going to have the go out and get another Casemiro, someone like yeah. him? Yeah, I know what you mean. Or, or is he going to go and get somebody like a Telemans who you're, you're not 100% sure, but you look at what the ones, if he's not going to get in front of Fernandes, Eriksen and Casemiro, you know that for him to come and play in one of those places, he's going to be better than what's sitting on the bench. Yeah. I don't know if that may, I mean, I'm sure there's oh, a better yeah, way to it's a difficult quandary for him because, yeah, the the dilemma is if you, you can only make so many transfers, you can't make a million yeah. transfers. 
And yeah, I mean, Ben's made a good point here. It feels like Hannibal could replace McTominay's uh, place in the squad. And, and yeah, I mean, he could. And that's the pathway then, isn't it, for the younger players? So yeah, it's a tough one to, um, to mm. call with that. I just thought it's an interesting one. Because I, will, I, I, will, I will say this to you. I don't, have you heard this one? I don't know if anyone heard this, but um, I got told by someone yesterday that Southampton come knocking on the door asking about Scott McTominay. Okay. And the, yeah. No, I think that's been made up. That's called like a really good agent trying to go trying to go high end shopping. To be yeah. perfectly honest, no. I mean, this, this I was told is the fact that it was, the fact they they asked a question, the club said no. Yeah. So, no, Newcastle, no. I, don't, I really, don't, I really don't believe that one. Great thing to say at this moment in time in Newcastle with the monetary issue, you know what they've got going on there with money and that. But no, there's no. They've already got, they've already got a similar kind of player in that way in, in Longstaff. Yeah. If they go, if they're going to go and bring a midfield player in, they're coming in and they're going, they're going to be a name. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got a run of games which we can rebuild that momentum that we can see a reaction like a nice, convenient run of games, you know, some home games that are, you would expect United to win and obviously semi-final as well against um, Nottingham Forest in the League Cup. That's the next game, Forest away. It's a really good game and really good kind of opportunity. I mean, for, they, they'll definitely be up for it and don't discount them because they've done great this far. And they'll definitely give us, they, they beat Liverpool recently at, at the city ground. So, you know, they're definitely going to be up for it. It's not going to be an easy one, but because it's a semi-final, it does give Tenog that opportunity to sort of get that, um, you know, the last week out of the player, the letter day to sort of like say to the players, you've got to get through to the final. So that's how the defeat can be put to good use, right? Yeah, without, without a doubt. <laughs> He's going to want to get that's, that's the bonus of it. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, both games he'll go out of his what he'll seize as his strongest team because he's he's got to if he's got anything about him if he's you know everything that goes with it and it's needed if he in his first season to get to a final at Wembley would be a, an achievement for Manchester United at this moment in time and everyone over two legs would be expecting Manchester United to beat Nottingham Forest even though Nottingham Forest have those moments. But, you know, they, they have moments when they're bang and you go, wow. Then all of a sudden they could follow it with something down there. But the position they're in, and Steve Cooper as well, this would be one. This would be his biggest game as, as, a, as a manager. Without a doubt, you know, his first his first big game was being a manager in the Premier League. And all of a sudden to be a, in your first season in a Premier, as a Premier League manager, you're taking your side into a semi-final against Manchester United. Yeah. That's, in, that's an incredible feat on his part, and it tells you how successful he's been as a manager so far. But um, United are expected to and should be playing in, in a in the League Cup final. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. That um, and it's funny. It's funny you mentioned that about Forest. But we see it a lot. Don't we? It's a common theme. The promoted team. I can remember Swansea, Bradford. Uh, Swansea when they played Bradford I think it was in the final even but a promoted team generally does well in the League Cup I don't know what it is but they always like have a good run there's always one of the promoted teams who will get to the semi-final or quarters at least um, yeah, of course. and it's going to be Reading at home in the FA Cup for the weekend um, again lower league opposition so one of those opportunities for Tenog to exercise the squad rotation which you would imagine he's going to do um, especially with the games coming thick and fast, do you expect eight o'clock ITV for really? I mean, God, if anything comes up, the um, the modern FA Cup is unbelievable. It's moving again the FA Cup to eight o'clock on a Saturday night. Um, I'm putting it on ITV for, but yeah, um, it should be should be one that United can get through. Right? Yeah, yeah, it should be given given how Reading are. I mean, they they they've had a few moments this season, but no, they they should they should do they they really should be. I mean, the last thing that United want, you know, we're saying that Reading for Reading, you know, they're desperate. They will be desperate to win, but on the other side of it, they'll take a draw because they might get a chance of getting some fans in that stadium. 
Yeah. That's what they're looking at because the, the stadium is is like a tomb. To be perfectly yeah. honest, Reading is is terrible. <clears throat> you know what they've got there. So they, they're expected to win, and I'd be very very surprised if they didn't win. But again, got to be careful with. You know, when you look at it, you talk about the game, the kickoff time. It's a Saturday night. Just the way the you know, just the way the weather is as well. If you don't start right mentally in a game like this, you're going you're going to be in trouble. You are going to get yourself into serious trouble if you're not spot on. Maybe looking at you've got to get in the mindset of, of like the um the derby game. Really, to be perfectly honest, to so start right and get it done as early as possible. Because as we as we know, they've got nothing to play for. They're going to play in front of seventy thousand people. Reading will have will have their full quota of tickets will be gone, even though there was only about three four hundred at their last away game. They'll, they'll take their full. Everyone will grab it just to come Old Trafford. The only thing that might go against it maybe being on a Saturday night. Yeah. But then Paul Ince, the manager, would have told them how good how good the, you know, some of them might come down to Friday for a Friday night out. Yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> If Finsey has anything to do with it, so um, I mean it'll be it'll be it'll be interesting. Yeah, it will be an interesting game, and be it'll be interesting as well for Finsey to walk to walk from the tunnel down to the bench. <laughs> it's going to be an experience <laughs> for him. That um, yeah, do you know what? it's funny that um, there are a few United uh, former players like Finsey and um, and Mark Hughes who divide opinion, but I, I I you know I know he played for Liverpool and scored. <laughs> For Liverpool at the cop against us and celebrated it like you would, but I still remember him as one of the best midfielders of his uh, generation when he played for us. He was incredible. So, um, I've, whether I'll extend it to a warm welcome, I'm not quite sure. That you know, I think if I did, it'd get drowned out by what the likely reaction is going to be for him. But yeah, I think it's a good point actually that the rescheduling, the nonsensical rescheduling of the game makes it. It gives them kind of hope that they can sort of get any sort of insecurity that's in the game there that they can take advantage mm-hmm. of. Um, well, maybe if we need a right back to score against Reading in the FA Cup, Paul, we can get you on the bench as well. You can do, yeah. You can ask me just. You can ask me to put a cross in, and I go and score. I said that before you before you said anything. I wouldn't do that. Um, I, I, you know, you know me, Paul. I rate that goal up there with Carlos Alberto. The thing about it, if I, the thing, I keep, I've said it so many times though. If I had a, a kind of a goal scoring background, I could have actually, if I'd have just ran away and celebrated, like no one would have known. I could have got goal of the month or something yeah. if I'd have known how to react to it. No one could have. No one could have questioned me. Honestly, I, yeah. that's the one thing I wish I'd, I'd have reacted. I think you know the shock. I mean, it was just a shock of it. Really, the thing about I knew the lad really well in goal, Nicky Hammonds. You know, because he's from he's from where I'm from at the time. He, <clears throat> it went to the same school and that. So I, you know, I knew him quite well as well. So it, it was it was a strange one. It was it was a strange one. It looked really good. I just wish I could have carried it on. Well, I, do you know what? I, we have a bit of fun about that goal, but the other one that you scored for United um, against Spurs was brilliant, so I'm, I'm letting you off with that. Um, Chris Johnson says, I don't get why people were hitting on Anthony. He was brilliant yesterday before he got subbed. Yeah, it's a bit of a weird one with Anthony. We'll wait and see how he sort of picks up in the next week or two. Um, oh, can I just say something on that point? <laughs> I would look, if I look at that game yesterday and I mention it, I'd... I just wondered if it would have been better to get Anthony onto the left side and just get Marcus Rashford away from there. Because if you had Anthony on that side, he would have been helping Luke Shaw with Saka. Yeah, like he was, he did with Martinelli, to be fair. Yeah, I mean, he does the one, his work rate, you don't ask him to go back and work. So many times, if anyone's been honest about people who who are digging him out, He's work going back. You don't ask him to go back. He does it. It's something yeah. drilled into him. It's part, you know, it's part of his DNA that he comes back and him. And generally, when he goes back in there, he very rarely gives the ball away in that area as well. He doesn't just whack it away. And he, yes, you have to do that to a rose But no, he's definitely got something about him. He he does help out his fullback. And he, you know, not like Wambasaka needs much help when he's defending, but he he's there. He's in and around, and even. You know, look at Martin. How many times did he get the opportunity to run at to run at um, Wan-Bissaka? Not many times, because Anthony 
was stopping the ball getting to him easy. So he couldn't get on the ball. So I, I understand where people are coming from. You want to see more end products. I do. Because I've seen so many great players playing in the wide areas and their end product, if it's not goals, it's crosses, it's creating opportunities. But when it comes down, when it comes down so many times, that last bit, he fluffs his line. His execution isn't good enough. We see him cut inside. We see him shooting. The shoot is, the shot is quite tame. And yes, he's frustrating. But people talked about um, Ronaldo in the same vein, didn't they? Really, initially, you know, you, you people come out with different things, reason why. But initially, for that first season, that first bit, he was very, very frustrating. Seriously mm. frustrating. So yes, you can. It's again, it's. It's the, it's the dollar signs, isn't it? The, the money signs that people are seeing. What his costs? That's what he's being judged on. Same as Harry Kane. But you got hope, you know, got hope. But he can get through that next bit. But he's definitely had an impact in certain ways with Manchester United. I have to say, there has been positives. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, and I'm a big fan of his. I, I do like. Yeah. There were a couple of moments yesterday where you're looking at. Maybe he's not. Well, I mean, he's not quick enough that he doesn't have that first pace that you would want to get a fullback. But he, you know, he can cause damage in other ways, and, and he has done so far. So let's um, hope that he really kicks on over this like run of what you say favourable fixtures that are coming up for United. That he can get a run of wins and that he can get his form up there. Um, that's it for this week, guys. Before we go, one last thing. The main event in Manchester, obviously, on Saturday isn't the FA Cup. It's uh, Paul and the 93 squad in town. There's a link in the description for the event that's on earlier on the day on Saturday at the Lowry, so you can go to that and then walk to the match after. Um, it's a celebration of the 30th year um, since United won the Premier League title for the first time. So Paul's going to be joined by other legends like Gary Pallister and Brian Robson. There are tickets still available, so if you click the link there, um, yeah, you'll be able to listen to some amazing stories of an incredible season. Um, we will be back next week to talk about those cup games. Hopefully we'll be talking about United making progress in two competitions. Until then, stay safe, stay well. Thanks for listening and watching. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Open them up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.